0: Welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I am joined this week by no one. It's just me, uh, Susan Miller-Degna, and I could not get our schedules to sync up this week. Uh, You know, normally we would maybe just take the week off, but there's kind of a lot of Miami news. We didn't record last week, so we wanted to get to uh, some of that this week. I got a couple listener questions we'll get to at the back end here, but... Let's start with the obvious news, the obvious big news of the week. Uh, That is Isaiah Walker Jr. Flipping, not flipping, I guess, transferring from Florida to Miami. Sort of felt like a flip, though. Um, He was not up on campus for very long at Florida before he had to come home to South Florida during this COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Last week, he put his name in the transfer portal. Not really any specific reason given, but um, it's you know become a little bit of a a unsettling trend for the Gators. The amount of players transferring out quickly uh, happened with a couple guys last year, including Chris Steele, who wound up at USC. Um, Some of that had to do with uh, stuff that seems more serious than this. With this one, you know, obviously we're in unprecedented times, as everyone has said. Maybe that swayed Isaiah a little bit. He's back home. Went to Norland High School so you know grew up right by Hard Rock Stadium. Um, Grew up a Miami fan. Obviously this is a time when when people are kind of taking family not taking family for granted uh, but getting him is a huge coup. He commits to Miami on Saturday. He was the top tackle in Miami-Dade County for the class of 2020 and it's a huge addition obviously for Miami which has done a really good job filling their biggest positions of need uh, from last season. Uh, We could, you know, obviously look position by position. If you look at everything that was kind of a problem for Miami last year, quarterback, they went and got Derek King. Kicker, they got Jose Borregalas. Offensive line, they've now recruited really well at that spot particularly at the tackle spot where they got Jalen rivers from uh, Jackson, the Jacksonville area, a four-star all-American tackle coming in. He was on campus in the spring for those couple spring practices, worked a little bit of guard for the most part during that, uh, sp- during that limited window of practice time, but projects as a tackle long-term Isaiah Walker was kind of the, the top guy in South Florida is between him and Marcus Tumerville from St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, ended up going to Florida, kind of ultimately was a Miami-Florida battle, but he picked Florida not long after, uh, actually Florida beat Miami in Orlando to kick off last season, but he is swayed to come home by this new coaching staff, you know, Garen Justice, we've talked to him a couple times now and he's always kind of harped on the importance of recruiting south florida even at that position you know florida south florida is not typically thought of as an area that produces great offensive linemen and particularly great offensive tackles but he's really locked it down so far not just with walker now but before that if you look at the 2021 class which obviously none of that's official yet but he has a commitment from Ryan Rodriguez the top-ranked center in south florida from columbus high school he has a commitment from Lawrence Seymour, the top-ranked guard in Miami-Dade County from Miami Central High School. And he has a commitment from Michael McLaughlin, the top-ranked tackle in South Florida from Stoneman Douglas. So he has got the guys, you know, that that's the foundation of a class. McLaughlin and Seymour are both four-star prospects. Rodriguez is a three-star prospect, but on the rise, fast. So he's got the core of a really good offensive line class for 2021, Built by just locking down South Florida. It was big criticism of Butch Berry in his lone season as coach. Um, You know, he did a a decent job in in some aspects, I think. Uh, Obviously, the offensive line was a mess. But, you know, he was starting two true freshmen. He clearly got those guys up to speed to at least be, you know, able to to play. But he did not recruit South Florida well. Last year was a really good recruiting class for offensive linemen in the region particularly with doomerville and walker both of whom are under armor all americans and both of whom committed elsewhere when barry was in the fold doomerville is now at lsu he also missed out on marlon martinez who wound up at lsu another saint thomas aquinas offensive lineman um you know marcus tate who's a 2021 kid from u school uh who might have just been the best offensive lineman period in south florida committed to Clemson. He's a 2021 kid, so hasn't signed or anything yet, but he committed to Clemson last year when he was a top 2021 target for Miami. So Garen justice is already fixed. One of the biggest issues of Barry's tenure. And that is locking down, you know, maybe you can't build an entire great offensive line class by locking down South Florida guys, but you can build the foundation. And he did that or his is doing that at least so far. We'll see how that 2021 class shakes out, but Getting Walker, getting Rivers, you know, Rivers was a, was a Barry guy, but keeping Rivers in the fold, that is a potential, you know, those are your potential your two tackles down the road, and, and that's a position you just got to stack chips at. I know neither of those guys are necessarily, like, five-star guys who you are looking at plug-and-play. Um, you know, neither necessarily kind of fit the NFL model at tackle. Both might be guards by the time they get to the NFL because, you know, neither of them are huge. Rivers is – you know, six six three thirty, so three thirty one. So that's a, a little bit more of that prototypical size. Isaiah Walker is just a little bit smaller at six four three oh nine, at least when he was coming out of high school. So uh you know, those guys aren't necessarily your, your prototype. Now you're six, eight guys that you look at, and you're like, all right, this guy is a future, you know, left tackle of the future, going to be an All-American. But they're two really good guys, both of whom could be excellent college tackles um, and, you know, NFL players down the road. And then again, like I said, that's just a position you got to stack at because, you know, Miami has not done well recruiting offensive linemen. But the big problem is you know, they're getting a couple four-star guys. You know, they, they got on the roster right now. Devon Donaldson was a four-star tackle. Uh, DJ Scaife, who's a tackle now was a four-star guard, but, you know, kind of had the tackle skill set, even though he was undersized for the position, which is why he was kind of classified as a guard. Um, Kyleon Herbert was a four-star tackle. So you can get a lot of four-star guys and still not have it work because that's a position that's a high bust rate guys move around, you know, obviously Navon is a guard DJ escape has spent some time at guard. So that's just, it's just a position you got to stack at and that's something Miami did not do. If you look at who started there last year, like I said, it was escape at right tackle and Zion Nelson, who they flipped from app state at left tackle. So, uh, rivers and Walker are immediately come in and are potentially two of the most talented traditional tackles on the roster. Um, you know, who knows if they'll be able to get on the field right away, especially with this coronavirus potentially cutting into preseason practices. And obviously, you know, who knows when they're going to be able to get on campus for summer conditioning and stuff like that. So it'll be a question mark, but that is the core that you need. That is you got to stack the top guys there. You got to get guys from South Florida. You got to own the state of Miami, as they say. You got to do well in the state of Florida. Florida. Um, the next step, obviously, will be to see if Miami can kind of branch out and get top-flight tackle prospects from out of the area, or out of the state. But so far, you you've locked down at least one of the top guys from the 2020 class, which looked like a total whiff, and you locked down another of the state's top tackles in Rivers. So that is the potential long-term future of the two tackle spots, and you know those guys both. Are you know two of the best offensive linemen that they have landed, probably since Navon, who I think was a top 100 recruit coming out of high school. Um, Walker, I think, is uh, out was outside the top 150, but you know was an underarm raw all All-American and one of those guys who, you know, just I think people kind of in the know always liked him. Obviously, the size was was a little bit of a knock on him, but he was like a Nat Moore Trophy finalist um, and just sort of always impressed guys at camps. Um, and then Rivers was a top 100 prospect as well. So that's that's two potential elite tackle prospects. And Walker is probably the best South Florida tackle Miami has landed since Navon. Um, we'll see if he follows Navon's path and plays guard, but I think he really has the skill set to stick at tackle, even if he maybe does not have all the ideal uh, physical attributes for the position in terms of length and height and and some of that kind of stuff. As for Walker, though, as a prospect, uh, I'm trying to think of the first time I saw him because I remember he was a guy that basically the first time you saw him, you knew he was a really impressive prospect. Uh, I'm trying I, I'm not sure if I saw him at all. His junior season at Norland, Norland was not particularly good, so I, I didn't get out to any of those games, I don't think. But I do definitely remember watching him at the opening about a year ago, last March. Uh, I guess the first time I probably saw him was the Under Armour camp. The first time I really paid attention to him, I should say, was at the Under Armour camp. Uh, It was actually on the day of the Super Bowl last year, and he was really good. Um, And it was kind of the opening that year that I think we all, you know, kind of the recruiting media, the high school media, we were all kind of like looking around at each other and like, this is a pretty good group of offensive linemen we have down here in South Florida this year. Um, obviously, you know, Walker and Doomerville were kind of the two seniors, but then you also threw in Marcus Tate, like I mentioned, um, you threw in Marlon Martinez, who's a more traditional guard. You threw in Julian Armella, who's, uh, I think a 2023 kid, maybe 2022, but, but a couple years younger, but, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, he looked like a rising star at that spot too. Um, And then, you know, there's some guys that have obviously emerged since Lawrence Seymour was another one, uh, a 2021 kid that always looked good. Uh, But Walker was really like, I think he was committed to South Carolina at the time. And and he was a guy who committed there early, kind of before he got a lot of notoriety. And was I think those two camps kind of really put him on the map as far as a guy that um, was a, you know, a real like all-American type talent. He, you know, he's just had that kind of build that you don't see all the time from South Florida linemen. Or maybe not the build. The build isn't what I should say. The skill set, you know, you you see a lot of good interior guys, good, strong guys. You know, we, we produce a lot of good defensive tackles and defensive linemen down here in South Florida. And, and some of that, those skill sets flash with some of the offensive linemen. Like a guy like Seymour is, is really strong. Um, you know Ryan Rodriguez in a similar boat as a as a center prospect but you know Marcus Tate always stood out to me because he was a converted basketball player he was a basketball player most of his life played for you know youth schools had a really good basketball program uh, he was like a as a freshman did not play very much on the basketball team but his footwork was just excellent you you could see he he moved like a basketball player he moved on defense like like a basketball player playing defense and Walker had that same sort of, you know, he his footwork was really good. Uh, he knew how to use his hands, but it was that that lateral quickness at that size was just is kind of rare. And then he, you know, he stands that he's got a flat top that that he likes to rock because he, uh, you know, he knows he's an offensive lineman and it, it gets him a little bit of attention. And you know, he's got a not a big personality, but a, you know, a very kind of outgoing personality. Um, so he, he was just a guy that kind of stood out, and then he always would show up at Miami camps and, and look good, um, and eventually decommitted from South Carolina. It became clear that it was going to be a battle between the three Florida schools. Um, and you know he always spoke really highly of Butch Berry, um, and Coach Hevesy, I believe, was his primary recruiter at Florida. Um, he also had some Florida state ties, his dad, Isaiah Walker senior, uh, who I believe is an assistant coach at Dural Academy now, or at least was in the fall, uh, was a big time recruit coming out of high school and had a, had a very serious, um, leg injury that I'm not sure if he ever actually played at Florida state. I think he tried to go there and just could never quite come back from his injury. Um, there's a, there's a good Miami Herald story, maybe I'll try to link it in here if I can find it, uh, about his recovery, uh, when he was a big time high school recruit. Uh, so th- he had a lot of, you know, he had the good lineage and he had ties kind of to all three Florida schools. Um, grew up a Miami fan. He always talked about that, but, but ultimately picked Florida. Florida was clearly kind of like the team trending in the right direction. Uh, you know, they had a good recruiting class uh, pretty much back to back years, but you do wonder how much this coronavirus just changed things. And, is potentially going to help schools keep guys home you know it's it's a kind of thing where it could cut both ways where you know maybe guys are so sick of being at home that, that they're gonna want to uh get out of here get out of get out of town to go to college but then some guys also maybe are going to realize how much they value being around their family and you know how difficult this would be being away from home um So you wonder if Walker falls into that camp, especially, you know, because he has, has a very good relationship with his family. His dad, obviously, has, has been a big influence on him. Um, it was always, you know, the biggest appeal he talked about with Miami is he kind of grew up right down the road. So, uh, you know, it really is the hometown team for him. Um, and, you know, you're maybe seeing a little bit in the 2021 class too already where Miami has uh you know gotten off to a good start they've got a top 10 class right now um and I think all but one of those guys is from Florida uh they added Elijah Arroyo I guess two weeks ago now or a week and a half ago the days all kind of blend together but um and even he you know lived in South Florida when he was younger so guys are committing early right now in that class and we'll, we'll see if it sticks together but so far you know it's been a really good Good off season for Miami. Once again, it was, you know, a good off season even before this Walker News. But, um, you know, it was quiet for the Hurricanes for about a month once things shut down because of COVID-19. Um, and then a bunch of commitments kind of came in a row. Um, you know, Ryan Rodriguez, I mentioned, from Columbus committed recently. Alan Hay, a defensive tackle from Shaman Madonna, committed recently. They got Malik Curtis, a, an interesting athlete from Bishop Verreau, who they're kind of hoping um, – I think Miami thought he was going to potentially blow up in the spring and, and just didn't get that chance. So he's not a particularly highly ranked guy, but Miami hopes uh, they have maybe have a little steal with him. And then they got Elijah Arroyo, four-star tight end, so that kind of finishes up the tight end class. Um, so it does feel like one of the defining themes of Miami right now, is, and it's kind of always a defining theme for Miami recruiting, is you know can we sell the appeal of staying home? Um, you know, so many of these guys maybe grew up Miami fans, but not like diehard because teams weren't great when kids who were in high school now were growing up. But there is always the appeal of do you want to be a star in your city? How much do you value your parents being able to not just come watch you play, but maybe, you know, if something happens and, and you need to go home for a weekend, how much do you value that? The ability to do that easily? Um how much do you value just being able to spend time with family, maybe on a random Saturday where you got nothing going on. Um, And this is a time where the world is changing. The people's values are gonna change because of the coronavirus. People are gonna realize what matters to them. And I think Miami is, is basically hoping that's gonna work for them in the recruiting world too. And so far, it's certainly been the theme, you know, until Arroyo committed Everyone who they got in this recruiting cycle in the last 50 days or 60 days, whatever it's been, were guys who were within a two-and-a-half-hour drive, pretty much. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly where Bishop Verreau is in Fort Myers, but pretty much like a two-and-a-half-hour drive. So, And Walker obviously kind of falls into that category, too. So it was a, it's been a good couple of weeks for Miami. Of course, who knows what this fall is going to look like? You know, Is Walker going to get down to campus in the fall is, you know, is anyone going to get to campus in the fall? Uh, it's the big question now that, that looms over all of this, but Miami, at least for now uh, has some momentum. Before we wrap up here, I want to get to a couple listener questions, really actually a, a series of questions from smiley underscore Kane. That's at Mr. Underscore right 34 uh, because the, the, question he gave it off right at the top is kind of the the elephant in the room that maybe I talked around a little bit at the beginning Uh, and that is do you think they will take any more transfers what position so the two big names out there are one is Tolia Tagovailoa the younger brother of Tua Tagovailoa who is transferring from Alabama Miami kind of immediately became the favorite in like some of the odds makers Pretty much because Tua is a Dolphin and it's kind of notable that the Tagovailoa family, who's originally from Hawaii, uh, moved to Alabama when Tua went to Alabama so that they could kind of be near him and watch him play and all that. So I think a lot of people kind of just assume something similar might happen with Talia. Um, The other big name out there is Jared Williams, a tackle who's transferred from Houston. Obviously, there's the D.R. King connection there. Uh, Brett Lashley has his Texas ties there. And, you know, offensive line is just kind of like the number one position of need still now that Miami's got D.R. King at quarterback. Um, I guess let's start with Jared Williams. Uh, we'll start with the big picture part of this question is that it probably does not look like Miami is going to take any more transfers. There's, there's kind of some conflicting information out there of how many counters Miami has used. So every year you're allowed to take 25 new players um, you know, you can usually get creative with it um, and maybe with the whole early enrolling. So like if a guy enrolls, so like, for example, we had some guys enroll in the spring this year, they can be counted differently than the guys in the fall where they can, some of them can be counted back toward last season. If you had any left leftover, um, our belief though, and, and I believe Manny Diaz said this publicly was that they had one spot left for this class. Um, And that was, yeah, I don't know if you ever said one, but basically we had gotten to the point where we could count this down to one from whenever he said they had two or three or whatever it was. Um, and Isaiah Walker is theoretically that last guy. They were holding one scholarship still open uh, because Willie Moisey, a uh, defensive lineman from Chaminade Madonna, did not, you know, he, he had some academic issues. He wasn't able to sign on National Signing Day. So it left one scholarship spot open um, for – well, yeah, one scholarship spot left open. Basically the thought was they were going to go after an offensive lineman. if It was not looking optimistic on Moisey. Moisey obviously it has now been uh, three months since National Signing Day, and he still uh, was not able to sign. So we don't know exactly where his academic standing is right now, but um, Miami clearly you know, was – Fine with not waiting on a definitive word one way or the other there, uh, so Jared Williams was kind of the big name out there recently because he was kind of thought of as a plug and play tackle for Miami, and then Walker became available and maybe it became a little bit of a debate. Walker obviously you get four years of eligibility, uh, whereas Williams is a, a one and done type guy. So my my guess right now, and of course they could always get creative with some stuff. You know they could. If they don't think there's going to be a fall season, maybe Walker does a gray shirt, um, and just doesn't enroll until the spring and you can count him to the 2021 class. Um, you know, maybe someone else who hasn't enrolled yet, uh, we find out maybe has some academic issues or something and, and would be better off doing that kind of gray shirt deal and not enrolling until the spring and counting toward 2021. Um, and then, of course, there's, you know, the big question is, is there going to be a season and what does that going to mean? Is there going to be nothing until the spring? Like, if Miami can't get anyone enrolled in the fall period, if there's no football season, if there's no on-campus classes, what does that mean for anything? So I think part of why Miami is being so proactive out here, um, and it kind of falls into the same question as, you know, is Isaiah Walker going to get a waiver? We just don't know. We You know, this – Coronavirus is obviously going to change a lot of things. Um, the NCAA probably, the NCAA probably doesn't know, you know, quite frankly. Like, how our counters going to work? How our waivers going to work? And there's been talk about it one time. Everyone gets a free waiver to transfer because of this uh, that would go into effect in January. Now, if there's no season until February, does that mean that Walker gets to play right away? Because he gets that waiver in January? Um, you know, there's just so many questions out there, but... My my guess right now is that they're probably um, no, because I just don't see the way they can make the math work. I, the other thing that has been suggested is Asa Martin, who transferred to Miami last year from Auburn and, and transferred out before the end of the spring. Uh, could they get a waiver there and have him not count and then you can count someone backward? Um, that seems unlikely, but again, with this Coronavirus and so many teams' rosters potentially in doubt, you know, because maybe there will be more transfers like the Isaiah Walker type, where where guys want to come closer to home because of this. Um, you know, we're just in unprecedented territory, and I think it, it's hard to know um, one way or the other definitively whether Miami will be able to to add a guy, add one more transfer. But but my hunch right now says no, and and with Talia. Uh you know, our Barry has reported quite a bit that Miami's really high on Tyler Van Dyke. Um and again, I think they would rather go get an offensive lineman than and fill that spot with a quarterback. And again, the the Willie Moisey question is still out there because he's a guy that Miami's always been really high on. Um we just don't know, you know, is he gonna you know, he's a guy that might we might look at a potential gray shirt type deal where he spends the fall semester at a JUCO trying to get his grades in order. Um to get on campus for the spring and can count toward the 2021 class. We just don't know enough yet. And this, the coronavirus is has just got to keep leaving things pretty much in limbo. Um, until there's some sort of definitive ruling uh, one way or the other kind of on a similar note, another one of Smiley Kane's questions was what freshmen will make the biggest impact on offense and defense. And this one is obviously a really interesting one because spring practice was so limited, you know, Most years you would look at the spring, you would look at the freshman class and and you're picking out a guy who's going to contribute. You you look at that group of spring kids. You can, for the most part, not ignore the guys you don't get on campus until the fall, but expect that at least they're going to take a little bit longer to adjust than the freshmen who are already there. Um, This spring, obviously, you wonder if you can kind of just throw it out. Um, does that distinction going to matter as much and and our freshmen just in general going to be less prevalent across the country Um, on offense I think the big guys I would look at you know I guess with Rivers like if Rivers gets on the field it means he's making a big impact just you know being at every down offensive lineman means that you're one of the most impactful freshmen on the team I don't necessarily see that happening especially because of This coronavirus and because offensive line is a position that really benefits from cohesion Miami has all five starters coming back and obviously didn't really get to work Rivers in with that group the way he would have liked to and then also freshman offensive linemen typically need that kind of summer of weight training on campus to to kind of get their bodies right so Rivers in like a normal world would probably be the probably have been the guy I look at and say it's going to be him because offensive line was such a problem last year. I just kind of felt like he was going to force his way onto the field. Um, But so instead, the guys I look at are the skill guys, um, maybe the wide receivers. I think wide receiver is is hard to predict one of those guys between Xavier Restrepo. um, Michael Redding was hurt in the spring, so we didn't get to see very much of him. Uh, Keyshawn Smith, impressed guys. Uh, Daz Worsham, you know, is – was an, an all-American in high school and continues to come back from a hip injury that that kind of short-circuited his high school career a little bit after a, like a crazy productive junior year. Um, I think those guys could all cannibalize each other a little bit, and there's just going to be so many wide receivers. It, it feels like from a game-to-game basis, which one of those freshmen kind of shows up could be different. So I look at um, Jalen Knighton, who is you know him and Don Chaney were obviously this like highly touted running back tandem coming in um, I think Cam Harris is going to be the clear starting running back Robert Burns was kind of entrenched as the number two but uh, I, I think one of those freshmen end up being that number two guy and Knighton is the guy who I just feel like is the perfect complement to Cam Harris he you know, he's I think Knighton has a chance to be a really good receiver um, and he was you know he's more healthy than Chaney. Chaney did not participate in that limited spring practice because of an injury. So Knighton is the guy I look at on offense as for defense. Um, again, it's like kind of this deal where in a normal world, I would have been looking at the 20 or the uh, early enrollees as the potential guys to, to make a big impact right away. You know, maybe chance Williams, although he was hurt in the spring um, maybe, you know, Keyshawn Washington got on, gets on the field uh, or, or one of the linebackers like Tyreek Austin Cave, um, although he was also hurt in the spring. But but I, I kind of look right at Avante Williams, who's the top-ranked player in that class of so not particularly bold uh, p- pick here. Uh, but, you know, he won't get on campus until the fall. So, but he didn't miss much, like we said. You know, he didn't miss that spring uh in the in the way that a lot of guys who come into the campus come into campus in the fall normally would have maybe felt like they missed that spring. Safety is a spot also where I think there's some playing time available, particularly if the season starts on time and um, you know Bob Bolden's coming off an injury. They said he was going to be good to go by the end of spring, so it seems like he should be good to go by the start of the season. But with Robert Knowles graduating. You got an opening there next to Amari Carter, Gervin Hall, and Bubba Bolden, and Avante Williams. I think could potentially be the guy to come in and contribute there. Uh, Smiley also asked for my picks of which veterans might make the biggest improvement on offense. I look at Mark Pope. At maybe I'm a Mark Pope like stan, but uh, I was you know I've been a fan of his since high school. Obviously, I think everyone locally who like kind of follows the high school seven on seven scene kind of gets it. You know, he was he caught, a I think, an 80 yard touchdown in a state championship game to win it. He is, was a dominant, dominant seven on seven player. Um, really struggled to adjust his freshman year, had his moments as a sophomore. Um, I think he's just a good fit in this Brett Lashley offense. A lot of people have obviously talked about that, but, and I think just one of these wide receivers has to pop, whether it's going to be him, um, or D. Wiggins, maybe Mike Harley breaks out and has like a 900-yard season as as a tough slot guy who, who just catches a lot of passes uh, in a more up-tempo offense. Um, I'm not counting Jeremiah Payton because he will be a redshirt freshman technically, so I don't really think of him as a veteran. Uh, but yeah, so the wide receivers are the guys I really look at, and Pope I just think still has the most talent of the bunch. And the fact that um, – Rob Likens actually mentioned him when we got to talk to him about a month ago, maybe. Um, He's like, I love wide receivers that have that kind of build, like six foot, uh, really good footwork. Um, You know, if you look at some of the guys that he has, he got, you know, Brandon Ayuk was a first round pick out of Arizona State this year. He was a, a Juco transfer, not a particularly highly touted prospect, but became a star playing for Likens at Arizona state last year and became a first round pick. And I think there's, there's definitely some comparisons with Mark Pope that you can make as for on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I'm also just kind of looking again at, at where the guys where the playing time is. And I think cornerback, one of those guys has to pop. Um, I think Al blades looked pretty good at times last year. I know the secondary was kind of the, the issue for the defense last season but I think Blades, you know, there's – he made a lot of good plays last year. I think he's got all the physical tools. Um, you know, he was a big-time recruit coming out of high school. They love him as a leader. You know, he was a captain as a freshman. So I think he's probably the safest bet. But I also think DJ Ivy is just like there's got to be a leap there. He, he's too good to make some of the mistakes he made. You know, maybe you know he doesn't have the same physical gifts that you look at with a guy like Blades or, or some of the other corners who kind of – have that NFL type ceiling, but um, he just made more gaffes than I expected last year for, for a guy who in high school was, um, you know, just kind of really steady and, and knew how to use his gifts to kind of make up for his limitations, and and you just didn't see that last year. I mean, I think everyone thinks of the the fake punt. I think it was a Georgia Tech ran against them to uh, hit for a you know, long touchdown in that game or a long pass. I don't remember if it went for a touchdown, but like plays like that, you're just like that's unacceptable and something that I would think he, he gets cleaned up. And in that case he becomes, you know, that's going to have to be the cornerback tandem unless one of the younger guys like Christian Williams or to Corey Couch couch can step up next year and really push those two. And they like both those guys, and I think to Corey Couch actually, particularly in the bowl game, you know, he made some, you know, he hit a bad penalty, but kind of all the stuff that was like the boneheaded plays he made were kind of out of trying to do too much, and I like that from a freshman. So he's a guy that I think uh, could have a big year one to year two leap as well. That's about it, I think, for this week. Um, thanks as always for listening. Though you can follow me on Twitter at dbwilson2. Um, Hopefully we'll be back with Susan and I next week. We can get our schedules to work out a little bit better. Um, But thanks as always for listening and uh, we'll talk to you guys later.